Well, did you come to receive today? Praise the Lord. What happens when you come to receive? You get something. Amen. You receive. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you give a hand clap too to our worship team. Amen. Praise the Lord. What a blessing. Praise God. You probably noticed our Mr. Mike wasn't here today. Him and his family have, have uh, gone, have themselves a little mini vacation. So we appreciate all that they do and hallelujah. And so I'm grateful for my team that steps right up to the plate and does what they're supposed to do. What a blessing they are. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. We are um, going to go to the book of James once again, James chapter 4. And uh, we've been uh, working, in a sense, through a, a mini-series that actually turned out to be a little longer than what I originally thought it was going to, but we've been talking about resisting our enemy, um, and talking about the fact that we do have an enemy. How I many know we have an enemy? We have a good God, and we have a, a very bad enemy. Come on, somebody. And, uh, in fact, let's put verse uh, 7 up there first. Let's do that. Uh, it says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, there's three people, in a sense, mentioned here, three entities, in a sense. There's God, there's the devil, and there's you. Okay? Now, you're the one that does the submitting, and you're the one that does the resisting. How many know that to be true? All right, look at your neighbor and say, submit to God and resist the devil. Now, what does that mean? Well, this word submit is a word that means to be subject unto, to yield to, to be under obedience. Uh, reflexively is, is the word, uh, one of the words, which just means to be reflective, which just means basically that you're willing to follow, all right? So how many know it, it would pay to follow God, to submit to God? I said it would pay to submit to God, to follow God. Amen? Amen. Praise God. But then it says to resist the devil. Okay? So we do have an enemy. And it says we're called to resist the enemy. Now that word resist there is a word that means to stand against, to oppose, withstand, to counter, or endure in a sense of consistency or constancy. Now the reason that's important to mention is because in all honesty there really is no true resistance without continuance or without endurance. You have to stay with it. You know, sometimes we might say, well, I, I resisted yesterday. I don't understand why the devil is still, you know, hounding my tracks. Uh, you know, well, you got to stay with it. And if you stay with it, guess what? Pretty soon the enemy's fleeing, praise God. That's what we need. Amen? Now, been talking about resisting the enemy. I think we first started this thing talking about the fact that we have authority over the enemy. Come on now. We're not trying to glorify the enemy in this kind of a series. What we're trying to show you is that there is a way to stand so that the enemy doesn't continue to steal, kill, and destroy. Right. Come on. Amen. Doesn't continue to oppress. Okay, we, I think we took some time and talked about a lot of the different uh, you know, names that are mentioned in the, primarily in the New Covenant, talking about the fact that he's a thief, that he's a deceiver, that he's a, an accuser, that he's a manipulator. All right, the word says he's the God of this age, the God of this world, and that just means the fact that he's the one that, that basically ramrods this system out there that's really pretty pathetic, to be honest about it. Are you with me? Now, uh, you know, like I said, there's so many things uh, that we've been finding out through this series, but primarily what we're focusing on is just the, the areas that the scriptures are pretty clear about how to resist your enemy. 
Now, there's probably a hundred ways of doing this, but there's some, you know, there's basically about a dozen ways of just, uh, you know, that the scriptures are clear. Do this and you resist your enemy. All right. And so we talked about uh, several different things through this series. We talked about the fact that we draw near is, is primarily uh, the first and foremost thing, which is the next verse there in verse 8, draw near to God, and he draws near to you. Now, we begin to talk about that. I'm also going to touch on that a little bit more today. First uh, Peter brought out the fact that you cast all your care upon God. Amen. If you're going to resist the enemy, you can't be all caught up with fear and anxiety and worry and all that kind of stuff because all it does is give place to the enemy. Come on now. Everybody say, cast your cares. And that just means all those things that try to overwhelm you, things that try to distract you. Amen. It's not saying that every, uh, every care is necessarily a bad thing. It just means that those things are trying to overwhelm you to the place that the enemy now uses that uh, to somehow bring you under. Are you with me? So we talked about casting the cares uh, upon the Lord. We talked about the armor of God and how that armor is there for resistance. Uh, Scriptures are clear about it. Amen. It's there so you can withstand in the evil day. It's there so you can resist the devil. Amen. It's there, praise God. Why? So you can, amen, oppose uh, principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this age and spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And all that is is different, uh, basically just different levels of demonic influence is all it is. And you have authority over all of it. But you got to put your armor on. And so we talked about that. We took some time and talked about the weapon, our sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And how you take the Word of God and you speak the Word of God like a two-edged sword. Amen. We talked uh, quite a bit about that and talked about how important it is to speak the Word. Jesus used it, praise God, as a weapon, and you're called to use it as a weapon. Amen. The enemy needs to bow the knee. Can I hear a big amen? Amen. You're the head, not the tail. You're above only and not beneath. But you're going to have to let the enemy know it. Otherwise, what happens pretty soon, you're resisting God and uh, you're submitting to the enemy, which is reverse. And you're not called to do that. Amen. So we took some time, talked about the sword of the Spirit. We took a week and talked about overcoming the enemy with the blood of the Lamb, the word of, of your testimony, and loving not your lives even unto death. Took some time and talked about that, brought out all three of those and begin to give some uh, understanding of what that means. Amen. But again, it's talking about overcoming the enemy. Amen. you got to learn how to plead the blood over your families and your households, over your businesses. Come on, over your church, your communities. Can I hear a big amen? Over your kids. Can I hear an amen? amen. Take a stand. Amen. Do not let the enemy uh, ram, uh, you know, uh, somehow control your life, somehow dictate your life. Amen. You need to take authority over it. And one of those ways is by standing, praise God, pleading the blood of the Lamb, praise God. In other words, a price was paid so you could remain free, amen, and free from your enemy. Can I hear an amen? Amen. All right, praise God. Of course, then last week we talked about not giving the enemy place and what that means. Now, with that said, we're going to jump kind of back into that a little bit. Uh, to bring this thing, kind of wrap this thing up a little bit. I'm going to back up in the same text, chapter 4 again, in verse 5. All right, we're going to read through this, all right, 
And I believe uh, God's going to give you some insight today about some things. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy? Now, how many know, amen, God is looking to spend time with you? I said he's looking to spend time with you. I said he's looking to spend time with you. Amen. Hallelujah. A lot of Christians don't just take time out of their busy schedules and just commune with God. All right. And you have to understand that God is always looking to commune with you. All right. Then the scripture goes on here in verse 6, and it says, But he gives more grace, therefore, he, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Amen. So in other words, he doesn't care much about pride or proud. Come on, being arrogant. Is anybody hearing me? Are you with me? Now, the reason this is so important in this text um, is the fact that the word pride itself means to elevate oneself above is what the word means, okay? And what it's talking about is uh, an individual that maybe won't take the time to humble herself, which means to lower oneself beneath. That's all it means. So what he's saying here in this whole text, he's saying, you know, you're called to submit yourself to God. You're called to come under, let God be God, let God lead you. But what happens is, no, I can handle it myself, I got this. So what happens is you, now you elevate yourself above and you're now calling all the shots. Now the problem with that is we end up uh, usually in a lot of messes. Is anybody hearing me? Has, has anybody ever elevated themselves above God and then found out later it doesn't work? Am I the only one? I, I, I've seen it happen more than once. Come on, somebody. Where you're going along and you just think, I got this, I can handle this. Didn't stop one second to talk to God about anything. And next thing you know, we got issues. I always uh, am reminded, uh, Joshua, when Joshua went in to take the promised land, uh, with the children of Israel, they cross over the river Jordan, they take Jericho, they have a glorious miracle in Jericho, then they just kind of go off and think they're going to go take Ai, and man, no problem, we got it, God, everything's fine, we don't even need to talk about it, we got this, and they came back with their tail between their legs. Are you hearing me? And all it was, and they had, they had some problems, and all it came down to was he didn't stop long enough to communicate with God. You have another issue a little bit later, and he ends up in, entering into a covenant with a group of people that he had no business entering covenant with, and it came right down to the same problem, didn't stop long enough and talk to God about it. So he ended up entering into a covenant with a people that later on he had to go bail out. Come on, somebody. The point being is, okay, it's all types and shadows and examples for you and me. Our life works the same way. If we don't stop and communicate with God... It's inevitable that somehow you're going to get off on the wrong, uh, onto the wrong road. Come on. And we end up in trouble. Amen. Now, when we're talking about resisting the enemy, that could be a costly price. Right. Right. God wants to walk you through some of these things. I was thinking about, um, well, I don't know if I got them in my notes or not. Let's see if I did or not. Think about all this. I was thinking about when Trudy was talking about the offering, about the four lepers, how God used four lepers to deliver them from their enemy. How about four lepers who are missing body parts? We're talking about leprosy here now. They're left out even in a starving city. They're left out in the end. Come on. 
And they just figure I'm going to die either way, whatever. So they start, you know, kind of heading toward the enemy. And the enemy hears a great army coming over the hill. And it's four lepers who are probably skinny as a rail, missing body parts, probably don't weigh but 98 pounds apiece. Is anybody hearing me? And somehow they hear an army of horses and chariots and everything coming over the hill. And all it was is four lepers. But how God could use something like that. How God could use something like a rock in a sling to take out a giant. How God could use the jawbone of a donkey to take out the Philistines. Cause the sun to stand still to, to eliminate the Amorites, uh, uh, to uh, struck uh, some men with blindness to, in order to take over the Syrians. A praise and a song with, uh, with uh, Jehoshaphat, remember that, against Ammon and Moab. Okay, a contest we're talking about with, with Elijah. Come on now, a contest that took out the prophets of Baal. The sea opening up, letting the children of Israel cross, and yet closing in on the Egyptians. Is anybody hearing me today? Now, is God not able? God is able, right? Okay, hallelujah. We're talking about marching around a city, and, and with a shout, Jericho comes down. Hallelujah. Holding up men's hands to take out the Amalekites, the pitchers, torches, and trumpets. Come on, to take out the Midianites. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that God can use whatever to do whatever. But people got to be led. God's trying to lead us. We have an enemy that's pressing in. An enemy is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And God has a way to lead you, amen, so you become successful, so you end up with the testimony of how God is good and good all the time. Can I hear a big amen? Am I boring you? You doing okay? All right. Hallelujah. Well, let's go back here. We're in, still in James 4 and verse uh, 7 now. It says, there four. Submit to God. Well, why is the therefore there? Well, we have to stop and see what it's there for, right? So he resists the proud but gives grace to the, that divine influence, that grace to the one that comes under God. So he says, therefore, because of this, submit yourself to God. Now, this is going to come up more than once today. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Next verse, please. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. In other words, your movement toward God is key. It's always key. You can never get away from it. You got to come under God. You got to let God lead. Some of you pastors, well, I just don't know how to do all that. Listen, we're children of God. Come on, we're of the family of God, the household of faith, the kingdom of light. We're all a part of that. Amen. It'd be a good idea to learn how to hear from the one that leads. Can I hear a big amen? <laughs> we don't say any of that to condemn. We're just saying this is how this works. And uh, as we've brought out uh, probably multiple times through this series, okay, that all it takes is people willing every day to just take some time to acknowledge God and let God, amen, give God that opportunity to lead you. Amen. Somebody says, well, I, 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 I can't hear the voice of God. Well, you just keep doing that. Pretty soon, all of a sudden, you start picking up on things. 
You remember the old radios? It ain't nothing like nowadays, all the digital stuff, and you push a button or whatever, whatever, anyway. It used to be you had to dial in. Anybody remember any of that? Some of these young whippersnappers are going, what? Rabbit ears, yeah, remember that? Maybe not so much on the car. Of course, I did see a few cars go down the road before with a clothesline or a clothes uh, hanger stuffed into their deal. Anybody ever had to do that? Or Anyway, you know, a lot of times with TVs, you know, we might have had to do that. We may put foil on it. We have a little kind of way to fold foil and have it kind of do all kinds of weird stuff. And then somebody would stand there and hold it, and everybody on the other side going, okay, right there. Anybody remember any of that, or am I the only one who remembers that stuff? See, we, had, we used to have to work to watch TV. We used to have to work hard to get that radio station in. And if you went a certain distance, pretty soon it starts fading out, and you have to kind of fade it and work on it again just to try to get it dialed in. Somebody said, what's that all about? Well, it's sometimes what it is is when you take the time to just acknowledge God and spend some time, pretty soon it's like you're dialing in. Pretty soon you kind of hook up, and all of a sudden you're picking up on the voice of God. And you'll find how that voice, praise God, can be so good and just leading you in little things. That's all it takes sometimes, just another way that God can lead you. So, amen, so you steer clear of any kind of pitfall the enemy may try to lay out there for you. Amen, keep you, praise God, walking, amen, in a place, hallelujah, where the enemy can't steal from you any, anymore. Can I hear a big amen? amen? So, anyway, this is what he's talking about, drawing near to God. He draws near to you. And then last week, as we talked about giving place, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. We took some time, and we talked about that. And the reason being is what it's talking about here is don't just give the enemy place. There are certain things that you might have to change once in a while. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you've got to change some things. Amen. Sometimes you find out, you know what, maybe I shouldn't live that way like that anymore. Or I shouldn't talk that way like that anymore. I shouldn't react that way or respond that way or do those kind of things. Because what happens is it creates an opening, an opportunity, an advantage for the enemy. Are you still with me? So we, we really focused a lot on that last week, all right? Verse 9 is talking about repentance, lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. And all it means is be, be one that repents. Be one that, that when you realize and recognize, man, I need to make some adjustments. Be, be sincere about it. Can I hear a big amen? A lot of people say, yeah, okay, I'll do that. But they don't mean it with their heart. There's nothing real about it. And so what he's talking about here in this whole thing, now I'm heading somewhere with all of this. Are you still with me? All right, he said, listen, you got, you know, be okay with saying, okay, God, you're right. I need, to, I need to stop talking that way or I need to stop responding that way or reacting that way. You know, today Trudy talked about having expectation for something good. Yeah. Amen. And when you realize, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't, that's not me. I'm not that way. No, well, then change. Stir yourself. You're going to believe something. You might, as well, you might as well believe something good. Come on, right? And when you recognize, okay, I need to, I need to change that, I need to, then just say, you know what? Lord, forgive me for being a negative thing. Being a, you know, this kind of down and outer kind of, what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to perk myself up and start believing some good things, praise God. Can I hear a big amen? Give God room to move in some of these things. But the point is this, okay, it's got to it's be real, amen? So he's talking about, you know, being real about this. Then verse 10, praise God. Amen says, then it go. We notice it's still the same subject, and I did that for this reason. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. 
Keep yourself in a place, amen, where you've, you've submitted yourself to God and you said, God, you're God. Lead me. Guide me, direct me, show me what I can do different. Show me what I need to do here. Show me how to resist. Show me what I need. Do I need to speak the word? Do I need to plead the blood? Do I need to uh, swing my sword? I mean, what is it I need to do here, amen, to conquer, to overcome, to be, praise God, in a place where I position myself for a victory, praise God. What do I do? Well, when you begin to humble yourself, the word says he'll lift you up. In other words, he lifts you, elevates you, it means, amen, above whatever it is that the enemy's trying to put over on you. That makes sense? All right. Now, hallelujah. Went through all that, praise God. To go here again, James chapter, or pardon me, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Not going to go through everything we did last week, but I am going to at least bring this verse up again. And it just says, verse 27, a very simple verse. This one you could memorize in a day. Nor give place to the devil. Okay? So don't give him place. So let's again define that. Okay? It just means this, all right? Don't give him place means to, to it says, uh, neither give place. It just means to grant or yield or to submit. To give consent or give power to. So in other words, he says, listen, you're called to submit to God, not submit to the enemy. Basically, that's what it's saying here. The word place here is a word topos, which we get our word, uh, you know, topical, okay, like a topical map. That's what we're talking about, topos, okay, which is a word that means a location, ground, but it refers to a foothold, an opportunity, opportunity or an advantage. So what he's saying here is don't submit yourself to things that are going to give the enemy place, a foothold, an advantage. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? All right. So, again, just define that because we are touching on that here and there. All right. The Scripture says in John 14 and verse 30, Jesus himself was talking. He said, I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world, talking about the enemy, is coming. And it says he has nothing in me, which means he has no hold. In other words, there is no place. He has no place to dig in. He has no place to put a foothold to opportunity. He has no place, no advantage over me. Okay, why is that? Well, Jesus was led by God. Jesus followed God. Jesus said, I do nothing without, you know, seeing it first. I say nothing without hearing it first. I can of myself do nothing. Now, I'm laying out some groundwork. Okay, so he says, the same works that I do shall you do. Okay, and a lot of times we hear that kind of stuff. And we think, okay, he's talking about miracle signs and wonders. Well, it doesn't exclude that, obviously. Obviously, that is true. But he also talks about, you know, your authority and dominion over the enemy. The enemy has no right, right. to control you. That's exactly right. He has no authority over you. Jesus paid a price so you will walk as the head and not the tail. That's why we never submit to the devil. We never give him place. Last week I made a statement and, you know, the Spirit of God was talking to me about as we were in this series. He said, I don't put out a list of things for people to, you know, and how to live because I'm some control freak. I tell people how to live 
for two main reasons. Because of my love for them and because there's an enemy trying to have place. And it's the same for you and me. Why do we follow God? For the same two reasons. Because of our love for God and because we don't want to give the enemy place. I don't want him getting into my marriage. I don't want him getting into my finances. I don't want him getting into my health. I don't want him touching my babies and touching my grandkids. I don't want him touching my stuff. He's got no right. He's got no authority. So somewhere along the line, you got to say, all right, I believe that, I receive that, and now I'm going to act on that. And you have to learn to resist your enemy. And God will walk you through it. God will show you. And just like Jesus said, he has nothing on me. The enemy can get to, you get to the place where the enemy has no hold on you. And we, did, we talked about out of 1 John. Let's go there again. Now, again, I know these are verses we touched on. 1 John chapter uh, five, please. First John chapter five, verse 18. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. That literally means to practice sin. In other words, it doesn't mean that there ain't a mistake once in a while. It just means that you're not, when you, when you choose to serve God, to flow and be who you're called to be, you, you choose not to practice sin. Everybody say practice. Some people are practicing sin. But we're called not to do that, right? Come on now. It says, but he who has been born of God, that's you and me, keeps himself. In other words, he has no hold. Okay? He keeps himself. All right? So, in other words, he maintains himself, keeps a watch. Amen? It also means to guard, to keep an eye on, to prevent or withhold. Amen? To preserve. And all it's talking about here is that, you know, you're keeping an eye on the fact that I'm not going to give the enemy place. And it says, the one that is born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. Okay, see, you can get to the place where the wicked one cannot touch you. That's right. Well, no, you can get to the place where the wicked one cannot touch you or your family. Come on now. Okay, or any other area of your life, all right? We know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. It's out there. We're not denying the existence of of what goes on around us. We're children of God. We're of a different kingdom. We're of a different realm. We're of a different family. We're not, we're not ignorant to the fact that out there is a nutso world. It's crazy out there. It's just flat stupid. Some of the things they come up with, you think, what the heck? Nobody's that stupid. But you know as well as I do, there are people that are that stupid. Outside of God, they can become very stupid. But you don't submit to it and you don't yield to it. You don't let the spirit of stupid get on you. Rick, I know I always point right at you. and I I think one of these days Rick's going to punch me. He can handle it. He's big shoulders. Amen. He can handle it. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, no spirit is stupid here. Come on now. All right. 
We know, it goes on now, we know, and, or and we know, that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. In other words, He's given us, that literally means um, faculty or ability of mind is what it means. Okay, it means talking about having the mind of Christ where you're picking up on things, you're seeing this, all right? You have that. Look at your neighbor and say, I can get this. That's what he's saying here is you can get this. What we're talking about here, you can get. You can get this, all right? That we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true uh, in, in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. In other words, that quality of life, that perpetual, ongoing life, that quality of life is there for you to have, praise God. And you can get this. You can do this. Yes. Amen. Yeah. You can get to the place where the enemy has no hold on you, where the enemy has no control over you. Okay? But you got to be willing to take the steps and move forward with it, praise God. And it always starts with coming under, letting God be God. Amen. Verse 21, little children, keep yourself from idols. Amen. And, of course, we defined that last week. Okay, this is a word that, um, this word idol here uh, is a word, uh, I said it again. Darn it, I can't pronounce this word for some reason. Why is there always like a word you just can't ever say? That's, that's for me, is a word that I can't have. For some reason, I always stumble over it. But it just means a copy, um, you know, something artificial, uh, an image of is what it means. So he's talking about keep yourself from anything that somehow tries to come in there and take the place of God is what it means. Okay? That's what it means. So what he's just saying is don't, don't let yourself be taken under or deceived by things thinking, that, okay, maybe this is God, maybe it isn't. Now, this is going to come up, Okay? Okay, so with all that said, all right, let's go to, uh, let's go to, uh, I think I'm going to go to the Gospel of John, chapter 8. Are you with me? All right, John 8. John 8. And I'm going to read, read a story here, but take it in the light of some things that we've been talking about. John 8, verse 1, please, and it says, And Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Uh, now early in the morning he came again into the temple. So obviously he went up to pray. Now he's come down. He's, he's uh, you know, going to the house of God now to pray. And all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Okay, so taking an opportunity. People want to hear, so he's going to teach. All right. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery. In the very act, okay? So obviously they were probably waiting around, waiting, and they just sound like perverts to me, but I don't know. Uh, but anyway, the bottom line is they caught this woman in the act, and obviously I don't know where the other individual is, but you'd think there's at least somebody else involved in this if it's a, the act of, of adultery. But there's, there's not. They just bring the one, and the whole plan is, okay, is to try to trip Jesus up is what they're doing. And Jesus knows that, okay, but that's all they're doing here. Is anybody hearing me? All right. Now, they, it goes on here. Okay. It says, they said, uh, uh, this they said, or wait, wait a minute, no, uh, verse 5, I'm sorry. Verse 5, now Moses in the law commanded us that uh, such should be stoned, but what do you say? Okay, so what they're going to do, they're going to shove the word in his face. Come on. Taking some verse, okay, and try to somehow manipulate it to their, to their you know, benefit come on somebody is anybody hearing this okay so what do you what do you say jesus so they think they think they're going to trip him up here all right 
Well, you know, this they, they said testing him that they might have something in which to accuse him of. But Jesus stooped down, wrote on the ground with his finger, you know, uh, as though he didn't hear him. Okay, so obviously somehow he's kind of obviously appearing that he's just kind of ignoring him. Okay, which he's not. All he's doing right now is, is getting, getting a word from God. This is right here, everybody say, keep yourself. So all the time, you're being tested all the time by stuff. Here comes another temptation. Here comes another thing. Something said. Somebody did something. Somebody responded something. Somebody said something about you. Somebody uh, duped you. Somebody is trying to manipulate. Somebody, uh, you know, uh, did something to your kids. So it must be, maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it was this. Maybe it was that. Maybe something happened at work. Something happened with your boss. Something happened with your paycheck. You look at your paycheck and say, hey, hey, hey. I mean, something happened right now. Something's going on. So what do we do? We'll get mad and punch somebody in the face. That's what you do. He had it coming. Well, it's probably not the thing to do, at least right away. The point is, is Jesus obviously knows what's going on. He knows the game. He's doodling on the ground. You know, a lot of, lot of speculation what he might be writing on the ground. Uh, to me, I don't know. Maybe he's just doodling, drawing a tree, the sun, and the sea. I, I don't know. You know, some say, well, he's writing all their sins. Well, it'd be a lot to write. The point is, he's doodling on the ground. All he's doing is going to get a word from God. All right? And so, obviously, they're all, you know, trying to say, you know, trying to get on him. So when uh, they continue to ask him, so they're, they're thinking, okay, he's either not hearing us or whatever. They, so they continue to ask. Verse 7, it says that he raised himself up and then said to them, He who is without sin among you, <clears throat> let him throw a stone at her first. Now, do you, so what if... What if one of them would have actually picked up a stone? Now, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get you to look at this a little bit different. But so Jesus basically says, you know, you're, you're sowing criticism and sowing judgment. Um, this probably ain't going to work out for you. Because every one of you, you know, has got things in your own life. Come on, somebody. But you're, you're, you're thinking that you right now you're going you're gonna to go ahead and sow something toward the flesh here. You're going to sow judgment and criticism instead of mercy. Just understand, okay, that may not work out for you. Because what you sow, you're going to reap. So if you're without sin, then great, go ahead, because the law is the law, and come on, and Moses did say that. So I guess if, if you got nothing that's, that's going to come back and, and, and dog your tracks later, go ahead and do that. You just go ahead and do that. And, of course, what happened then? He stooped down again to write on the ground, and he wasn't done with his picture yet. 
had a little house. He had to put a little house in there. Amen. Somebody says, well, what are you getting at? Well, so verse 8 or verse 9 says, uh, then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience. Why were they convicted by their conscience? Remember, sin is to know to do good and not to do it. You know when you're sinning, you know it. it ain't, this ain't some, you knew what you were doing. That's sin. See? And it brings out in 1 John that, that sin is, is lawlessness. In other words, so you already know what the boundaries are. You just choose not to do it. So these guys already are convicted in their own conscience of their sin because they know too. They're just as guilty. And they went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. So obviously, they got what he said. Okay, so from the, it said from the oldest to the youngest, which, <laughs> you know, probably the wisest to the you know, the young bucks are still ready. Yeah, come on, let's kill somebody today. You know. But anyway, so the point is, is they, they at least got a hold of it, right? Okay, now let's go to verse, um, verse 10. Now, no, let's go to verse 9 again. Sorry. So, they all left. And, and Jesus was left alone there. Now, we, all, we, all, we know there's a whole group of people that's standing on the perimeter around because, remember, he's ministering to some people. But the group in the middle here were him and the woman and these, these Pharisees and uh, scribes and Pharisees. They're, okay, they're all, they all left. Now, uh, the point I want to make here is did Jesus condemn those ones accusing her? This, this hit me. I, he, didn't even, he didn't even condemn them. He could have done because he knew every one of their sins. I mean, you know, right? Come on. He, he knew. He could have said, hey, you, you were doing the same thing two days ago over here on First Street with Mrs. So-and-so. Remember? And you, oh, yeah, oh, stealing, pulling a little bit. Ooh, yeah, put a little pocket. Mm-hmm. Oh, nobody saw you over here cheating and manipulating, doing, oh, he could have named, he could have done all that. But he didn't do that. He didn't condemn them. Just, you got to, uh, now verse 10. So Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman. He said to, the woman, said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Where are they? Okay, verse 11, right? Here's the verse we all love. She said, no one, Lord. No, they're all gone, right? Jesus said to her, well, neither do I condemn you, but I don't condone your sin. No, it doesn't say that. It says, go, go and sin no more. Honey, listen, you don't like, this is embarrassing. This is horrible. This is embarrassing. You don't ever want this to happen again. 
Go and sin no more. Don't give place to the devil. Because he will embarrass you every single time. He will manipulate it and work it to his favor and will make you look less than, shameful, guilty, condemned. He said, I ain't here to condemn you, but I ain't condoning your sin. You go and you sin no more. Don't do that anymore. Because this kind of stuff's going to happen again. And I may not be here next time. I mean, whatever. I'll just, you know. Now, sin is sin, Pastor. Well, it is when it comes time to coming up, you know, putting it under the blood. And, and, you know, Jesus paid a price for all sin. But not all sin has the same price. Not all sin has the same consequence. Not all sin. Is anybody hearing me? Some sin will kill you. Some sin will kill your household, will kill your marriage. Some sin will kill your kids. Nobody wants to play that mess. And I am not mad, I'm just intense, okay? So stay cool. But the point is this, okay? Sin is sin when it comes time to putting it under the blood, but not every sin has the same payday. And the wages of sin is death, man. And some of it comes a little quicker than others. It will destroy your household. The point is this, okay? He doesn't condemn you, but he's not condoning. The point I'm trying to make is I've seen too many times where people say, well, you know, stop judging me. Stop condemning me. Well, stop sinning. Stop putting it on me. Well, it's okay. No, what's happened now with our society, it's got okay to sin. It's now okay. And I'm talking even in the church, it's gotten to be okay to sin. Well, you know, just don't judge me. God don't condemn me. Nobody don't condone the sin because of what it'll do to you. Because he loves you and because it gives place to the devil. And he will rob you blind. He will steal, kill, and destroy. And he never stops till he's done. So we don't want to give place to the devil. We don't want to play patty cake and go around saying, well, just stop judging me. Well, the worst is you're going to know people by the fruit. I don't, you know, when he, when he looked at these other guys, he wasn't condemning them either. He just says, do you really want to sow that? Is anybody hearing me? Do you really want to sow that? Is it really, you think it's really to your advantage to sow that? Because you're just as guilty. So we have no right to sit and condemn each other. We have no right to sit and accuse each other. But man, nobody, you know, don't think for one second that that ain't going to happen. It does happen. When you live dirty, it does happen. When you give place to the devil, the devil is so good. If you think you're going to go toe-to-toe with the devil and somehow out-manipulate him, let's just face it, he's been doing this a while. He pretty much knows all the tricks, okay? And he pretty much knows you, you know, from before you even come to know Christ, he knows what, how to push the button and what to do. Now, again, I'm not trying to glorify them. I'm just saying we don't want to do anything that's going to give place to the devil. 
We're all probably hoping this is, series is done today. <laughs> I'm kind of thinking that myself. <laughs> I, I just, you know, he didn't condemn them. He didn't condemn her. But he just said, listen, don't, you know, he brought, he, he brought to their attention, okay, their mess, and he brought to attention her mess, okay? Does anybody hear me? Okay. Not in a condemning way, but in a way of this is how we give the enemy place. When you get judgmental and critical, it's going to come back and slap you upside the head like a big dog. It's the way it works. You sow to the flesh, you of the flesh reap corruption. Ruin, destruction, it happens, okay? That's why you want to do everything you can to not give the enemy place. So when God, when you begin to submit yourself to God, you come into God, God begins to talk to you about things, how to resist your enemy. He'll probably talk to you about some things about, you know what, maybe you shouldn't turn that thing on anymore. Maybe you should just, you know, get off the Internet for a bit. Maybe you should just not talk that way anymore. Maybe you shouldn't uh, play around with that sexual stuff. Come on. Maybe you should. He might begin to You say, well, that's why I don't go talk to him because I know he's going to tell me that. He's going to tell all this stuff. He's going to talk to my stuff. He's going to bring all my stuff up. And I just know. I know that's what's going to happen. So bless God, I'm just going to avoid it and not even talk to him about it. Well, that helped. It doesn't stop the process of what you sow, you reap. Where you give the enemy place, he comes in and steals. But if God can somehow help you in the midst of this thing, give you a little insight and help to how to shut the door to the devil. Come on, somebody, how to, how to not give the enemy place in this area of your life anymore, then praise the Lord. Shut it down, put it under the blood, and move forward, praise the Lord. Amen. Nobody else even needs to know about it. I said nobody else needs to know about it. I tell you what, one by one, stand up and tell me your issue. No, you don't want to do that. Nobody, please don't do that. I'll just say that too. Amen. Please don't. Amen. Nobody needs to know those things. Put it under the blood and be done with it. But understand this. When you don't do that, the enemy, it's inevitable. It's going to come out for all to see. And he'll do everything he can to embarrass you like they embarrassed this woman. And really, to be honest, they even embarrass themselves. Well, anyway, Romans. Are you doing okay? All right. <laughs> what are they going to say, Jerry? No, I'm not doing good at all. Knock it off, man. Leave me alone. Chapter 16. <clears throat> Verse 19 and 20, it says, For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, uh, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And that's how it's worded in the New King James. And the God of peace, look at this, this is a verse, we, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Okay, so a good promise. But see, you know, so the, this verse here starts with and. 
I wasn't much for English, but I think that means it connects it to the verse before. Okay? So, for your obedience has become, verse 19, your obedience has become known to all men, therefore I'm glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise. Come on. Wise in what is good. That word good means in the, in the widest sense. So be, be wise in what's good. And I'll come back to that. And it says be simple. At least the New King James says simple concerning evil, which that word evil means evil in the widest sense. But he says two things. Be wise, right? And, and this word simple. Now the word wise refers, you know, you kind of think of that. It means to walk in wisdom, to live skillfully. It talks about in discernment and judgment about the affairs of life is what that word defines as. So in other words, walk with some wisdom about what's good. Come on. But this word simple means innocent, harmless, or get this, unmixed. In fact, the first word that brings it out in the, in the uh, concordance is the word unmixed. Be unmixed concerning evil. In other words, don't play around with it. Don't think a little bit is okay. Now, now hear me. Okay. Okay, talking about being something, a uh, sense of a pure uh, analloy, okay, no alloys, okay, not blended or diversified. Get this, not progressive. <laughs> Pastor, you just don't understand today. I mean, it's, it's just progressive. It's just, we're just not the same as we were back then. No, we are. See, it's, it's still wrong to live that or act that or say that. It, no, 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 pastors. Nowadays, it's okay. See, no, that's un, see, now you're mixed. See, now you're being mixed in what is uh, or concerning evil. See, the, the, the world will shove that down your throat all day long. I just don't, I mean, if you're, nowadays, it's okay to do that. Be okay with it. No. I don't have to be okay with it. Come on, somebody. Now, I don't, I'm not, now listen, remember, I'm not going to go back and go be condemning of everybody and critical of everybody and judgmental about everything. But at the same time, I don't have to accept it. I don't have to be wishy-washy about things and say it's okay to do that just as long as, you know, everybody's okay with it. Well, man, all you have to do is talk to the world. Are you okay with it? Yeah, I'm okay with that. That I'll tell you right then. Ding, 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 ding. Mixed. Jump, bail, get out of it. Well, anyway, the point is this. He's saying, listen, you know, don't, you, you, can't, you can't just little by little think it's okay to certain things. Because what it is, is he's talking about, again, same thing. You're giving the enemy place. It's okay to, you know, it's okay to lie once in a while, you know, if it's to your advantage, you know, that it's okay to cheat, you know, sexual sins, you know, it's, you know, nowadays it's all accepted, everything's cool. But what, what's happening is we're giving place, we're giving place, we're giving place, we're giving place to the enemy, and all he needs is a foothold. Yeah. 
Wow. Now back to John 8, and I'll close it. Go and sin no more. Just don't, don't go there, okay? I'm not condemning you, but I'm not condoning what you did. So then he said this, okay? He spoke then. Remember, all the people are still around. Are you going to give me a couple minutes? All right. All the people are still around. So he's still teaching. So he uses it, and he says, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. This is verse 12. Okay? So what's he talking about? Okay, the word light, okay, means to make, make to see or illuminate or enlighten, okay, but it means radiant energy that makes sight possible. Radiant energy that makes sight possible. I am the light of the world. I'm the light. Okay, I, 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 I'm, a, I'm radiant energy that makes sight possible. Now, why is that so important? Because there's a lot of things we just don't flat see. So that's why it goes back now, why we submit to God, why we draw near to God, why we come under God, why we, you know, we come to a place of hearing from Him, because He's seeing things that we're probably not seeing. I'm the light of the world. Amen. He who follows me, now this word follow, okay, it means to be in the same way or the same road with, to accompany, uh, it refers to as a disciple. In other words, one that's willing to follow in a sense of being led and taught. And it says here, uh, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness. You to walk about or conduct life, follow as a companion, be occupied. That just, in other words, you, just everyday living, he who, follow, he who follows me will not walk in darkness, dimness, obscurity, depravity, captivity. Uses even words like uncertainty, vagueness, ignorance. But he's talking about the, being enlightened. Amen. Come on now. Being enlightened. Amen. To the life of God, what you have. He says, they shall not walk in darkness, but have now the light of life. God is, what he's trying to do is give you the light of life. What he's trying to do every day, I'm not here to condemn you. I, I'm not here to, you know, somehow shove your sin in your face. What I want to do is get you out of that mess, get you to see some things so the enemy has no more place in your life. I'll give you the light. In other words, that radiant energy, that means the same word, that radiant energy that makes sight possible of life, which is the word zoe life or absolute life, that life of God, the abundant life. Amen. He says, I want you to see the life you're called to. If you can do that, you can get to the place where the enemy has no hold on you. Amen. Now, did I mention your thing yet? If I didn't, raise your hand. I'll make sure we get it all out today. The point is this. You know, it ain't about... You know, just trying to beat people up. That's right. 
It's about, it's about the fact that we don't want the devil in your business. We don't want the devil in your household. We don't want the devil in your marriage. We don't want the devil touching your kids or touching your grandbabies. Come on, somebody. We don't want the devil touching your body. We don't want the devil touching your mind. So I'm going to hang out with the one that knows all, understands it all, and as I do that, he leads me, guides me, directs me, shows things, sometimes brings things out about myself. Have you ever felt like, God, pick on somebody else once? Some of you are thinking, yeah, I just had that conversation with him yesterday. You know, be grateful. What's he doing? Trying to give you the light of life. He wants you to be a partaker Amen, of the life of God that you're called to without the enemy stealing. So, did you get something out of this series? Give God praise. Come on. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash victory, or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.